0: The following is a prophetic teaching delivered at Living Wells Church in Nairobi, Kenya. It relates to the issue of procuring land and buildings as expressions of the favour of God upon our lives as an outward manifestation and working of His grace. Enjoy this teaching and I am certain that it will apply to your circumstance as well. Well, good evening everybody. Amen. And thank you, Harry, uh, so much for the invitation to minister the word of the Lord uh, to you tonight. Amen. It's a real joy and an honor and a privilege to be together with you. Amen. And like I said, at Fountain Gate, year two, what's the name of your well? Living Well. And my surname is Barnwell. (laughs) Okay. So Barnwell is at the Living Well tonight. Amen. Oh, my surname is Barnwell, Randolph Barnwell. So whenever people ask me, are you well? I say, I'm not well, I'm (laughs) Barnwell. The barn is always full and the well never runs dry. Amen. And I trust that you here at Living Well too uh, will experience that measure of perpetual flow of the life of God's word and person. Amen. So, um, I want to encourage you um, as we go into the word of the Lord. Again, thank you for the opportunity to minister the word of the Lord here. Please excuse my voice. Uh, We've been doing a lot of teaching, prophesying, etc., praying uh, since we were here. And uh, God's word came like a mighty stream. Sometimes it becomes taxing in our voices. Amen. But... uh, God spoke really powerfully at the conference thus far, and we have our last day there tomorrow. But wonderful to be together with you here this evening. So when Harry asked me to come, um, I often, in my spirit, immediately begin to wait on the Lord for a focus, and um, just in the last session now before we ended. At the Leadership Conference at Fountain Gate, I felt the Lord uh, wanting me to share on this that I need to share with you tonight. It's something that I haven't even have shared with our, our local church and uh, to any at least in its present constitution, and so it's something still fresh on my heart it's something that I haven't fully developed even as a set of teachings. But I felt the need to release it as a prophetic witness over this congregation. Amen. It's concerning procuring land and buildings. Procuring land and buildings. Okay. That's why I asked Harry, is this yours? (laughs) You know. (laughs) Um, And um, what I'm studying in the scriptures right now is this whole idea of Buying land and buildings, or procuring land and buildings. And I'm studying it from various vantage points in the scripture. And uh, because back home in Durban, we're also desiring to buy our own place. The facility we use for church services, we rent. And you feel very limited with what you can do and can't do in a rented facility. And I felt the Lord consistently saying, and we had very many prophetic words. As to the fact that we will uh, start to enter into the procurement of land and buildings, it's also part of the predominant grace configuration that's attendant with our patriarchal father in the Lord, in the person of Apostle do. They too are also trusting to buy land in in Santon presently. So I feel like the whole global family to which we are belong, and James has just secured land or had land for some time and is now starting a building project on the same. So I think God is like saying the same thing to uh, multiple of us that there's a step that needs to be taken to establish um, a facility or a venue or a place in and through which the purposes of God that we carry need to be beamed off. You see... it's not buildings and land that we want just to procure land and buildings. Right? We're not like vain or ambitious that we just want to have a building that we can call our own. Our motivation is to have facilities in and through which we can teach the nations of the earth. Right? It's It's a means to a greater end. If you don't have the end, God won't give you the means. So, um, the Lord spoke to my heart that if your heart is right, I will give you the resource. I will give you the resource. And, and like I say, um, I've studied, been studying this a while. I've studied this in times past, left it. I shared it with a small group of people, but I still need this. I only plan to share in a formal set of teachings with our church only next year sometime. Okay. So you're getting it for the first time yeah, as it were. And, um, A lot of it I still haven't fully um, processed in my own spirit. But um, I want to just share with you uh, perhaps a few thoughts. Also, I think this is not like a set of teachings. I want to share it as an activation principle to signal something in the realm of spirit. Very often, God's intentions for our hearts are intended in the heavens. And a lot of the time, God needs to make an announcement. Uh, All moves of God are birthed in proclamations, in declarations. And so I very want to stand before the Lord and before you tonight in a very uh, fearful disposition. Because we're venturing into something saying that this is a prophetic word for this house, that you will procure land and buildings that you can call your own but that it's going to be a facilitation of a greater purpose in and through which uh, people everywhere can come and be upgraded into a greater purpose in God. Amen? And I want to encourage you, enlarge the place of your tent. That's Isaiah 54, I think, right? Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch forth your curtains. Do not spare. Drive deep your, drive deep your stakes. Now, I don't want to... Okay, here's the text there. I love this text. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. In other words, don't hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. And all of those terms have uh, symbolically represent different principles of expansion. Okay? I'm not going to speak to that verse, although it's, it will be part of a series of studies that we're developing to cover this theme. But I want to speak from Jeremiah 32, just quickly. Jeremiah 32. And I don't want to be long tonight. I just want to drop a few seed thoughts. And then we're going to pray an activation prayer. Amen? An activation prayer. And you know, the word of the Lord has various case studies. Uh, If you track the scriptures, certain points in the Bible, where land is bought or sold. And I think those are not just there as... Uh, incidences i believe we can study the events and extract principles that we can apply to our present time principles that activate the procurement of land and buildings right and so with that in mind i want to just look um at this okay jeremiah 32 verse 6 okay jeremiah 32 and verse 6 now, <clears throat> I'm going to read the text and then I'll make a few comments. Jeremiah said, okay, I'm reading from, I'm not sure what version I have. I think it's the NASB. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shulam, your uncle, is coming to you saying, buy for yourself My field. Now, I want to read it again. It's very important. Behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shulam, your uncle. So, Hanamiel is his cousin, right? Hanamiel, uh, the son of Shulam, your uncle, is coming to you. So, Jeremiah's cousin is going to come to him and he's going to say to Jeremiah, Buy for yourself my field. You buy my field, which is in Anathoth. For you have the right of redemption to buy it. Okay? Now, I want to submit to us, this is a very prophetic teaching. The Lord says to you, you have the right of redemption to buy fields. Right? You have the right. There's, a, there's an authorization in the spirit that God is signaling. God is saying, I have given you authorization, right? Uh, I have given you legal grounds to start to think procurement, right? And I want to encourage Harry um, and your leadership team here, Grace and others, that it's not ambitious to think like this. You're not being vain to think like this. All you're doing, you are responding to an authorization from your Father in the heavens, Right? saying, I authorize you. The right of redemption belongs to you. Okay? Now, you know the right of redemption in Old Testament culture was, the way it worked was, if a person on land and for some reason um, has to sell it, right? it usually is not sold to strangers, but it's bound to be sold within the family to keep the family inheritance going okay and even if for some reason it had to be sold to outsiders in the jubilee year it had to revert back right but listen carefully so there's a relative coming to another relative right hanamiel and jeremiah are cousins right and Hanamil, i mean god speaks to jeremiah because he's prophetic the lord has to inform him of things right he must know things so god says Okay, listen, Jeremiah, you know, let me paraphrase. God is saying this to him. You're so good at prophesying the will of God for others. (laughs) You're so good at releasing my purpose for everybody else. Now, here's a word for you, Jeremiah. Your cousin's going to about to approach you, right? And he's going to ask you to buy his field. And he's going to say to you, the right of redemption belongs to you. In other words, there's no one more eligible in our family than for this land to go to you. Right? But can you please every statement I make here with the Spirit. I'm saying the Lord says there's favor upon this house. Because the right of redemption belongs to you in this jurisdiction. Right? It's fallen on you. Right? The right of the of, of redeeming land, not for land's sake. But to preserve divine purpose from one generation to the next, it has fallen upon you. Okay? The right of redemption has fallen upon you. And then uh, verse 8 says, Oh, by the way, Anathoth, where's the field? In Anathoth. The word Anathoth means God hears prayer. Or God answers prayer. Right? So this is going to be an answer to your prayer the environment in which this is procured, you will know internally, God, this is an answer to our prayer. Okay? You have met the need, the cry. You have answered our prayer. Verse 8. Then Hanamil, and by the way, Hanamil, the word Hanamil means the grace of God, or God is gracious. And it literally means, if you check The exhaustive dictionary of Bible names. Hanamil literally means the favor of God upon. Right? And I'm suggesting to us tonight, the favor of God is resting upon us. For this. Now when favor rests upon you, you see Hanamil is the guy that is going to depart with the property. And the property is going to go to Jeremiah. Favor is going to release the property. His name means God is gracious, God is going to favor, right? And I want to encourage you, this is going to be nothing more than an expression of the favor of God. You will see, no human ingenuity or human strength is going to procure this for you. Grace is going to release it. Right? You will have to pay a price like he did, which means something very specific. But the whole initiative for the procurement It's going to be an act of favor upon your lives. Okay? Everyone say the favor of the Lord. So I see so many things in this passage. The favor of the Lord, right? Coming by to, to, to access land, excuse me, land and buildings. The favor of the Lord. The favor of the Lord releasing lands and buildings to the people of God by the grace of God, by the favor of the Lord. And this is going to be an answer to prayer. Anatho. It's going to be an answer to, to prayer. Verse 8. Then Hanamiel, my, my uncle's son, came to me. So he's, Jeremiah Jeremiah's relating the story, right? It's about to come to pass. Hanamiel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the God. According to the word of the Lord. Now I like that. He came to me how? According to the word of the Lord. This is going to be according to the word of the Lord. Let's say that together. According to the word of the Lord. In other words, this is your prophetic destiny. While I speak to you as a house. (coughs) I want to encourage you privately. Those of you that desire to own property, take these principles for yourself. Okay? <clears throat> Appropriate this principle privately and personally. Mr. again. Hanamil, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the God according to the word of the Lord, and he said to me, "Buy my field, please." <laughs> like he's begging the guy. <laughs> Jeremiah doesn't need any convincing. Why? Because the Lord already told him, this guy is going to approach you and make you an offer. And I believe, Harry, the Lord will speak to you concerning things such that when they happen, it will not be a surprise to you. And you will know instinctively in your heart the witness of the Lord as to what to do. Right? The word of the Lord came to me and said, "Buy my field, please, that is in unathought. Right? If you read this prophetically, he's saying, "Buy my field. Which is an answer to your prayer, <laughs> okay? Which is in the land of Benjamin? What does Benjamin mean? Son of my right hand. So this is a position, an environment of great authority. The right hand is a position of great authority, right? So the acquisition of this property is going to give you great authority. This is all prophetic. It's going to, it's going to give you leverage. In, the, in your jurisdiction, people that did not regard you before will now start to note you. Right? It's amazing how people start to take you seriously when you own property. Right? It's just, I mean, you don't even need an anointing, they'll start respecting you. Okay? It's amazing. The moment you come into territorial conquest, you, your voice starts to be amplified. Right? Your voice starts to beam. And God, listen carefully. Because God knows that's how men think. They take you seriously when you got some property to show. And God, to amplify the voice, will give you the property simply for you to get the attention of men, so that you can push his purpose in and through you to them. Okay? So be prepared for the Benjamite anointing to take hold of you. By the favour, the son of the right hand right benjamin was the last boy that jacob produced do you know when joseph tested the integrity of his brother's hearts remember uh, when he, he didn't disclose his identity to them he put them through a series of tests right and remember when he held simeon captive and he said to his brothers where's your last brother go and get the boy i'm not going to release simeon which means to hear until you go and get Benjamin. And Judah said, well, Judah first said, Well, leave, leave Simeon, take me. Incarcerate me. Right? But J- Joseph said, you will not see my face again. Until all the brothers are represented. Seeing Joseph's face is seeing salvation. It's seeing Survival. Joseph's face in his context represented the preservation of a people. He it, it represents breakthrough. He represents the provision of the Lord. So when he says to his brothers, you're not going to see my face again until all the brothers are fully represented. Bring J- Benjamin so that the complement of your brotherhood is fully represented. He's saying, I need to see that last son do you know what judas said no not benjamin because that's going to kill my father if we take benjamin and he said this for the life of my father is bound up with the life of that lad. the life of my father is bound up with the life of that so in benjamin is represented all that jacob stands for in benjamin is represented The purpose of fatherhood, spiritually speaking, right? So when I say that you're going to procure land, right, in in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, you are going to bring, that's going to bring with it to you, the purposes of the father expressed and vested in and through you. Benjamin is not just Benjamin. He's not just authoritative. He's not just the son of the right hand. He becomes the embodiment of the life and purpose of his father. Right? In part, he represents a great apostolic frequency. Yeah? I know we often focus on Judah and Joseph as primary expressions of the apostolic. But Benjamin too. Yeah? Who's Paul? Paul was a Benjamite one of the greatest apostles came from this from the stock he said i'm a pharisee of the pharisees of the tribe of benjamin of the stock of benjamin okay and i believe that dynamic is going to play itself out a very strong apostolic thrust okay a very strong apostolic thrust will come to the fore because of this okay because of this now it then says, What verse were we in? I lost my verse. Verse 8, "Buy my field which is in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, for you have the right of possession. Everyone say possession. You don't only have the right of redemption, you have the right of possession. And the redemption is yours, buy it for yourself. Then Jeremiah said, Then I knew. That this was the word of the Lord. Harry, Grace, you will know that this is the word of the Lord. When a circumstance presents itself to you, that you will know surely the Lord has spoken. And you will have no hesitation in your heart to pursue the matter. Against all contrary factors, which I will highlight now. There's a lot of factors you will see in a moment militating against the purchase of this property. But Jeremiah is fueled with courage, knowing that the Lord has spoken, and now he has initial evidence that God has truly spoken. So his courage is fueled. He has not just the right of uh, redemption, which is to buy something to keep it in the family name. It's to buy something to keep the family purpose and the the purpose of your patriarchal father is global is reach resource and reform right and to keep the purpose alive God is saying I'm going to give you land to perpetuate the purpose attendant with the family yeah I'll be recording this I need the CD <laughs> I'm speaking as I'm hearing things here this is this is a word for me in fact, I'm preaching for me more than I'm preaching for you. This is my own encouragement in the Lord. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is my own encouragement in the Lord. And so, the word possession in the Hebrew is Yerushasha. A lovely word. Right? The word for possess is yaresh And possession literally means to occupy something as your inheritance to conquest right it's derived from yarash which means to possess and to possess means to occupy and in your occupation to drive away any illegal occupant remember what god said to israel he said uh, go possess the land remember when they came up out of egypt And under, eventually, Joshua's leadership, go up, go in, and possess the land which the Lord God has given to your fathers. Right? So the land was promised to Abraham. remember? So what they were doing is to drive out illegal occupants that are taking up the space of their own inheritance in God. Right? And I want to submit to us, there are some illegal occupants of things that should be belonging to us. The church. And God is going to violently drive out. Right? Those those that do not offer it willingly, God will seize it from them on our behalf. Amen? God's going to seize it on our behalf. The word yarash possess also describes a militant action of driving out illegal occupants of land, disinheriting them so that one can claim an inheritance that rightfully belongs to you. Rightfully belongs to you. Now this is your right. Everyone say, this is our right. Right? You got two rights. The right of redemption, to keep it in the family name or line, to preserve family purpose in and through which God will bless a whole generation but you also have the right of possession okay so when you buy it just tell the guy i'm just here to claim what is rightfully mine (laughs) don't say this okay he won't tell it to you but in your mind in your mind say i'm just here I, i am here to possess i'm here to occupy an inheritance in christ Let's just go through the nitty-gritty transactional processes. But I'm here just to claim, right? And if you give me problems, I violently disinherit you. <laughs> That's the you know this word. It's a militant word. What I'm encouraging you: do not become passive about this. Pursue it with militancy. Militancy, right? You, you you now is not the time to be shy. Now is not the time to be fearful. Now is not the time to recede. Now is the time to enlarge the place of your tent. It's deliberate action. So you go deliberately to engage processes. You phone the guy. You you, you engage the process. And God will give you signs of witness to see whether the word of the Lord is true or not. Amen. You know the word right. Everyone say right. I love the meaning of this word. The Hebrew is mishpat mishpat right and it literally means a verdict which was pronounced judicially in a court of law a judgment a sentence a formal decree god is formally decreeing something in the realm of the spirit tonight god is saying uh, my sons my daughters i am When I say I give you the right, God is saying, I've legislated this thing already in the highest courts in heaven. And it must be done on earth as it is done in the heavens. The word mishpat also means a privilege granted. It's a privilege granted or it also means what is due. What is due? And let me say, what is due is overdue. (laughs) And it's due time. Be not weary in well-doing. Right? For in due time you will reap if you faint not. And God wants to reward your consistency. God wants to reward the fact that you haven't given up. Your due time for what is due to you has come. And you know, in the Greek, that that text in Galatians, where it says, be wary not in well-doing. For in due time you will reap if you faint not. The word due time in, in, in the text is idios. Not idiot. Idios. Right? And idios means a time belonging uniquely to you. Or what is due to you, Individually or tailor made. Uniquely fitting to retrofit you. Right? So your due time is your personal time. When it's your time, it's your time. And no satanic agency or human agency can stop what is due to you in your due time. Right? And all I'm saying, I'm making prophetic statements tonight. I believe time has come it's due time for the set time to favor zion has come psalm 102 verse 13 i think the set time to favor zion has come the set time to favor zion has come and this is your due time then the text says verse 9 okay so in verse 8 he confirms this is the word of the lord So he has no problems to go ahead with the purchase. In in verse 9 he says, I bought the field which was in Anathoth from Hanamiel, my uncle's son. And I weighed out the silver for him. So the the cost price for the purchase of the land was 17 shekels of silver. I signed, I'll I'll talk to what 17 shekels of silver implies in a moment. Because listen carefully, it's going to cost you something. There's certain dispositions that God wants to see before the land is transferred. And then he says, I signed, verse 10, and sealed the deal, the deed, and called in witnesses. Right? Important to have witnesses. For in the mouth of two or three witnesses, Every word can, every matter shall be established. And I weighed out the silver on the scales. So by the way, what does silver depict? Redemption. In the Bible, silver depicts redemption. To redeem means to buy back, to put back. So this whole idea is that God is giving back to you what was always true to be given to you in your inheritance in God From before time began. It's simply natural. It's simply a natural process. Right? It's You know these things are like. When I think about the whole idea of redemption. It's like no big deal to God. To us it's a big deal. Right? Because wow. God's going to do. But God. No. No. It's not not a big deal from my vantage point. I am just putting. Giving you back. What was always true. To be experienced by you. In your prophetic destiny. No big deal. Tell you number. No big deal. Right, you know we're often amazed that when God breaks through miraculously, eh? we get surprised, we get all hyped up, but for God, this is very normal. The supernatural is going to become normal, right this It's going to become a normal thing to expect favor upon the Lord, unprecedented. things will just happen because of the blessing of the Lord upon our lives. Amen, it will just happen. Just like that. So silver is a depiction of redemption. Then he says, uh, I signed and sealed the deed. And I called in witnesses. I weighed out silver on the scales. I took the deeds of purchase. It's very detailed here. He says I took the transaction. I took the deeds of purchase. Both, two copies, right? Both the sealed copy containing the terms and conditions and the open copy. Like is Jeremiah is not just a prophet. He's very wise in, and prude, and, prude and, and, and exercises prudence in business transactions. So he tells Bru, I know you're a cousin, you're my cousin. You know, family can not sometimes do business deals in a very kosher way right he says no let's have two copies i want two copies signed right i want witnesses brew i know we blood relatives but call in the witnesses <laughs> right in other words everything must be above board everything must be wisely done so that no one can contest your right to the property be careful of these things don't do anything compromisingly so where sometime later, somebody can contest your right to what God has rightfully given you. So Jeremiah is very calculated about these issues. Okay? All right? It's very wise. Employ wisdom. And in the area where you lack the wisdom, get a brother who has the wisdom. All right? But operate prudently. Amen? So there's two copies: the open copy and the sealed copy. Verse 12 I gave the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Mahesiah, in the sight of Hanamiel, my uncle's son, and in the sight of the witnesses who signed the deeds of purchase before all the Jews who were sitting in the court of the God. Right? So everybody knows a transfer of property. Has taken place. It was done publicly. In an open square. And so this is above board. Verse 13. And I commanded Baruch. In their presence saying. So he given custody of the, of the deeds. Of purchase right. And Jeremiah commands this guy. I commanded him. And he prophesied. Thus says the Lord of hosts. The God of Israel. Take these deeds, the sealed deed of purchase, and this open deed, and put them in an earthen wear, jar that they might last a long time. Hey, what's this guy thinking of? Right? He's thinking of 500 years from now. No one will ever challenge the right of my family to this property. Right? I love Jeremiah's spirit. People thinking, whenever people think of Jeremiah, they think of the weeping (laughs) prophet. And he's a bit, this guy's also got prudence and wisdom to transact to get land and property and he knows how to keep it for generations to come. Right? Then it says, it might last a long time for thus says the Lord, verse 15, of hosts, the God of Israel. I like this. Houses and fields and vineyards will again be bought in this land. <laughs> He's making investments for the future. Right? Now, okay, After I, I'm going to read a few verses and make a few comments. After I had verse 16, I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neri, Then I pray. So he gives him the two copies. This Baruch puts it in an earthen jar. uh, Buries it to preserve it. Right? Uh, Safekeeping. And then he decides to pray. Jeremiah starts to pray to the Lord. Our Lord God. Behold. You have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power. And by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Come on, say that with me. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing, is Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Let's go on. Verse, the next verse, verse 18. You showed loving kindness to thousands and repaid the iniquity of fathers into the bosom of their children. After them, the great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts. Okay. You show loving kindness to thousands, repay the iniquity of the fathers to the bosom of the children, after them the great and mighty God. Next verse. You are great in counsel, mighty in work, for your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men, to give to everyone according to his ways and to according to the fruit of his doings. You have set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt to this day and in Israel among men. And you have made yourself a name as it is this day. You have brought people, your people, Israel, out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders. Now this took like years before what the prophet is doing. He's recounting the magnificent might and power of the God that just sealed the deal on his behalf. Right? He's drawing reference to the nature of God. I'm telling you what's going to get this thing done. Is not so much you, but it's got everything to do with the nature of our God. What seems impossible in the natural will be made possible by the power. With a strong hand, an outstretched arm, and with great terror. Verse 22, you have given them this land of which you swore to their fathers to give them a land flowing with. What is he doing? He's referencing his private decision to buy land. And he's couching it in terms of God's grand scheme to give land to Israel, a land flowing with milk and honey. What he's saying prophetically is, God, I'm not ambitious in what I've just done. What I've just done bears reference to your eternal promise given to this nation to give them an inheritance even in the promised land. And then verse 23, they came in and took the possession of it. Right? This is, he's recounting Israel's exodus from from uh, Egypt and how they conquered and possessed the, the land. It happened many years before. They took possession of it, but they have not obeyed your voice. Right? So he's recounting the faithlessness and disobedience of the people of God. You gave them as a possession, right? They disobeyed your voice. Then he says, they have done nothing of all that you commanded them to do. Therefore, you cause this great calamity to come upon them. Now, I didn't give you the context. The context here is, the Babylonians are about to invade the land and take Judah captive. Right? Now, Jeremiah is saying, you have caused me to buy property. That the Babylonians are gonna own. (laughs) There's a Babylonian invasion about, in fact, it's imminent, it happens soon after this. Right? That's why you are so careful about preserving the deeds of sale. Because he knows Israel or Judah is gonna go into 70 years of slavery, but being a prophet. He knows, even Daniel said, in the book of Daniel, I was studying the writings of the prophet Jeremiah. And I studied from the writings of the scroll of Jeremiah, the number of years it must be accomplished for the captivity of Israel in Babylon. Jeremiah wrote that 70 years, they will come back. So, it is foolish, how many of you, if there's an invading army round about you, right? What's your, what's, who's Kenya's greatest enemy nationally? Who's, which, other, which other nation is your greatest threat? <laughs> Somalia, right? What if, like right now, around the whole of Nairobi, Somalians are everywhere about to attack and invade. And you know they're going to be successful. There's no hope of us resisting this great power. Like the Babylonians on on judah and your cousin comes to you and says okay okay harry i know the somalians are encircling us they are about to invade us tomorrow but before they invade us please buy this property please buy this property right you see why god had to inform jeremiah first because naturally speaking this transaction does not make human sense nobody's gonna buy land in a land that's about to be invaded by an enemy. It's not your land. That's why Jeremiah says, I want two copies. You put it in safekeeping. Okay, they didn't have safe sand and safety deposit boxes like we do. The best they could do is get an earthen jar. They can preserve the integrity of the documents. And you're going to bury that for safekeeping. And retrieve it. And Jeremiah is convinced. Watch. He's acting now because he has prophetic foresight. You're going to buy land and buildings now. Harry, watch. And all of us. You know, James, I believe for you, even the, what you envisage is going to be too small for the destiny that God has for you. Right? And so this op- these opportunities are going to come our way. And yes, yes, the word of the Lord to us. Everything... It's going to militate against your desire to purchase the land right except you will be informed by the voice of the lord and you have prophetic foresight long term your sight is not restricted to the immediacy of the circumstances that prevail in your context now but your sight is on 20 years from now 30 years from now when when, when this next apostolic generation of young people that James spoke about, what about when they 10, 20 years from now are doing what we are doing now? On what level will they be functioning? So God is saying, I need you to prepare the structures, the facilities in and through which purpose can be preserved long term from now. We don't think short term. We're thinking for the next... Jeremiah's mind was on 70 years later. That's how far he was thinking. Right? He probably would not even have been around to enjoy uh, the fruit of it. But he knows I'm preserving this for generations to come. He, he's convinced. He says to Baruch, he says, hey, keep these copies safe. And he prophesies, for thus saith the Lord, land and buildings will yet be bought and sold in this place. Right? In this place. So there's prophetic foresight. And then, let's just go on. Verse, where, what verse are we were on? <clears throat> Look, the siege mounds. The Babylonians have already surrounded us, right? He's praying to the Lord, He's God. He's saying, you know, He's saying, you delivered your people out of Egypt. What he's implying is, I know one day you will take your people out of Babylon and bring them back. And your purposes, uh, with the help of guys like Nehemiah, Ezra, that will come years after him, remember? And Zerubbabel, they will come to rebuild things. He's convinced these things are going to happen. I want to encourage us, don't be put off by the wickedness of God's people presently. He references their, their lawlessness. But he envisages a day of reformation. He envisages a day of Nehemiah. He sees Ezra. He sees Re- Zerubbabel coming to rebuild that which was that which was lost. The siege mounds. They have come to the city to take it. The city has been given to the, la- to the hand of the Chaldeans who fought against it because of the sword and the famine and the pestilence. What have you spoken? What you have spoken has happened. There you, there you see it. Let's just read again verse 25 and 26. You have said to me, O Lord, buy the field for money and take witnesses. Yet the city has been given over to the hand of the Chaldeans. Verse 26. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? I mean, God is talking these words just before invasion, right? There's nothing. I draw great comfort from this. Right? When circumstances in the natural all seem to directly oppose the purchase of the property, God steps in. Jeremiah is saying, Lord, look at the siege mounds. The city is about to be taken. God says, hey guy, is there anything too hard for me? What's a crisis to us is not a crisis to God. Right? He has the answer. He has a plan. He has a long-term agenda. Look at verse 43. I don't want to read the whole thing because of time, right? Fields, uh, fields will be bought. in this. God is talking in this land of which you say it is desolate, without man or beast. It has been given over to the hand of the Chaldeans. Verse 44, last verse. Men will buy fields for money, sign the deeds, seal them, take witnesses in the land of Benjamin, in the places around Jerusalem, for in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the mountains, in the cities of the lowland, in the cities of the south, for I will cause the captives to return, declares the Lord. God is saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you've, done, you've gone through with the sale, with the purchase of the property. You have already prepared your structure to receive a return of captives. You are acting 70 years before the time. You're not looking at the present invasion. I cast your eye to when they will come back. right? And let me just say this God's going to bring a whole lot of captives from bondages in Zion specifically and bring them to apostolic contexts so that they can be restored, reformed, reconstituted into the plan of God. And that favor is upon you. Okay? That favor is upon you. Now, just quickly, because of time, I didn't think we'd be so long tonight. i'm speaking as i'm hearing i don't have much of this down in my notes so i want the cd what is the significance of the price how much did he pay 17 shekels of of silver i already indicated to you that silver is redemption right 17 is a powerful word a powerful number and i don't think it's coincidental that next year is 2017. <laughs> this is a very prophetic word right 17 is 10 plus 7 right 10 plus 7 the 7th generation from adam was enoch the 10th generation from adam was noah 10 plus 7 is 17 7 from adam is enoch 10th from adam is noah the Bible says in Genesis 5, verse 24, Enoch walked with God. The Bible says in Genesis 6, verse 9, these are the records of the generation of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, and Noah walked with God. Both men walked with God. Both men, seven from Adam, tenth from Adam, ten Plus 7 is 17. One of the symbolic representations of the number 17 is an intimate walk with God. Very simple, right? An intimate walk with God. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, The Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing will God withhold from them that walk uprightly. God's going to reward your, the uprightness and the integrity of your, of your walk. That's the price you pay. That's your 17 shekels of, of silver. It's an integrous walk before the Lord. Okay? You know, Enoch also had prophetic sight. Not so. The book of Jude says that Enoch, although seventh from Adam... He saw the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints. Noah too, what did Noah do? He built a, oh, he built a structure that would transport him or, or transit him from one dispensation or error in which God dealt with humankind into the next one. So both these gentlemen have a view to what God will do next. what god will do next i want to encourage you god's going to give land and buildings to those who don't only appreciate the current doings of the lord but their prophetic sight is cast upon a future time of god's dealings in the earth and so the land and buildings that we want again is not to say who see our land who see our buildings or to pat ourselves and compare ourselves with with other ministries what we are saying to God is, God, give us these things so that we can have an environment where we can facilitate the transmission of prophetic sight to people that will come in to be upgraded so that they in their present time will live accurately in the light of what you're going to do in the future. Hmm? So tell your neighbor, walk rightly. Come on, tell someone again, walk rightly before the Lord. Walk rightly before the Lord. Okay, there's a whole lot of things here. Time is running away. Okay. Um, The Bible also says, for example, in Genesis 37 verse 2, that Joseph was 17 years old while he was pasturing the flock with his brothers. And he was still a youth. 17 years old. And what was he doing? Pasturing or looking after the flock, feeding the flock with his brothers. Whose flock are they? His father's flock. He's only 17. And one of the principles of 17 is faithfulness. Everyone say faithfulness. First Chronicles 25, 5. First Chronicles 25 and verse 5. All these were the sons of Hermon or He man. You know, Herman was one of David's three uh, chief musicians, right? Uh, Chinaniah was chief, but there was Asaph, Jeduathan, and Herman. I call him He-Man. Okay, his name is spelled He-Man. Right? He-Man or Herman, the Bible says he was the king's seer in the words of God to exalt his horn. For God gave Herman, how many? Fourteen sons and? Three daughters. daughters. How many is that? Seventeen. Seventeen. So 17, there's two things here. 17 is a representation of offspring. Or the next generation or sonship. Right? Genderless sonship. Although it's 14 boys and 3 girls. Right? Because they all functioned equally under his oversight in the temple under David. Right? But you know what the word Herman means? Or Heman. Heman means faithful. Faithful. He who is able to produce the seventeen principle is one who is faithful. How old was Joseph? Seventeen years old, faithful to look after daddy's purposes vested in his sheep. Right? Everyone's again say faithfulness. Faithfulness. Right? So I want to encourage you, your walk with God must be proper. Don't compromise on how you walk with God. God. That is the price. Come on, what's the price? 17 shekels. The price, God is saying, is a walk before me. How you walk before me. Enoch walked with me. Noah walked with me. They were righteous and blameless in their time. Both men had prophetic sight. Building something now to transport them into their, into their future. Joseph was faithful. Herman produced the 17th principle. And he was, he was faithful. He was faithful. Genesis 11 or Genesis seventeen eleven, in the 600th year of Noah's life, the second month on the 17th day of the month, the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were open. When did God flood the earth in Noah's day? On what day? Look at it. On the 17th day of the month. Okay, what month it's the second month. Maybe these things are significant. I don't know, right? Um, so on that, you know, God was very specific about when the, the waters gave that the, the deep opened, the sky gave way and God flooded the earth, right? On the second on the 17th day of the second month. When did the flood stop? Genesis 8, 4. The flood stopped. Look at it, Genesis 8 verse 4. Then the ark rested when? In the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month. Right? Coincidence? <laughs> so the, the flood was like, like in February, on the seventeenth uh, day of the second month. And the waters abated and the ark rested, the Bible says, on the seventeenth day of the seventh month. Right, 7 for us also is tabernacles. There's a whole lot of imagery here that I don't want to get into. All I'm saying is, in this context, the number 17 refers to God starting something on a particular day and bringing it to completion on another time era. It represents the capacity to initialize and to complete. To start and to finish. The floods open on the 17th day of the second month. And the waters abate on the 17th day of the seventh month. Okay? And I want to encourage you. What is the price you pay for the land? 17 shekels. The price you pay, apart from all the things we've mentioned, is the disposition where we say to God, where we say to God, we're going to be amongst those in the earth. That activate your purpose. We initialize your intent in the earth. But we will also be amongst those. That bring that purpose to its logical conclusion. And end. The hand of Zerubbabel. Remember it prophesies. Zechariah 4. The same hands that lay the foundation. Will be the same hands that bring the top stone. Or the finishing stone. with shouts of grace. Grace to it. The 17th principle speaks of logical pursuit of the purpose of god to their final finish yeah to their final finish i want to encourage you persevere don't give up become a finishing generation you see god will not give you anything if he knows why must i give you these facilities when you in your heart are not going to be committed to finalizing and completing my purposes right I said to the Lord, I prayed desperately. I said, God, release the buildings to us. I promise, I made a promise to God. I said, I promise you, I will steward it with integrity and I will not compromise on your purposes for the people that will enter this facility on your behalf. Right? Everyone say, start and finish. Come on, say it again start and finish. So I want to encourage you with these things. If you read Kevin Connor's book on signs and symbols. Kevin Connor says this about the number 17. He says it's a combination of 10 and 7. And he says 7 denotes spiritual perfection. Everyone says spiritual perfection. 10 denotes ordinal perfection. Right, ordinal perfection, therefore, okay. I won't go to the details here, we don't have time. But basically, Kevin Connor, who is a well-reputed scholar and theologian, he said the number 17 indicates spiritual order and exactness. Spiritual order and exactness. And I want to encourage you: don't compromise. On spiritual protocol and order, and the issue of accuracy and exactness. That is going to be the price you pay to procure the land. Hallelujah. That's going to be the price you pay to procure the land. Amen. Stand with me. Stand with me. Okay, this wasn't so much a teaching as much as it is a prophetic trumpet sound, a declaration of intent. Come on, everyone say a declaration of intent. intent. Come on, tell somebody else, this was a declaration of divine intent. Come lift your hands to the Lord. Uh, James, come pray for us.